How's everyone feeling? Nobody gonna say nothing. Y'all just gonna wait. <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks in a row. That's what y'all do. Just sit there, sitting on your thumbs. That's what we doing. You say sitting on your thumbs. Y'all ready to flex? Yes, sir. All right. Welcome back to Air Four. Let's go. As stated last week, this is our Black History Month extravaganza. Kicking us off, our first guest, a close personal friend of mine who just happens to be a public defender. His name is Brandon Ball. And on top of being a kick-ass lawyer, he is also very involved in our local community. Go ahead and say hello and introduce yourself, Brandon. What's up, what's up? My name is Brandon, um, 38. I've known Chris since, as we call him, Superman. Since <laughs> yes. I, since our Sam Houston days. You mm -hmm. know, before, before I was Hove, I was Superman. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to be here, man. Happy to be here. So appreciate you, bro. All right, before we deep dive, let's address the poll from last week. The poll of the week was, are turtlenecks sexy on men? Before I give the results, Brandon, what do you think? Can you pull the turtleneck off, bro? I ain't worn a turtleneck like 15 years, but I think I can pull it off, though. I think you can pull it off, too. You got the bill for it. You got the how bill for it. How long? How long has it been? <laughs> How long, how long it's been? At least 15 years. Oh, all right. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, 73% said yes. Turtlenecks are sexy on men. Yes, sir. Man, whatever. They only they ain't, the only people they're not sexy on is uh Ramon? skinny niggas. <laughs> <laughs> Little guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. All right, all right. Let's get into what y'all all tuned in for, and that's to hear Brandon. So let's go. I apologize in advance if sometimes I slip up and call Brandon Wody. I've been calling him that for 20 plus years, and it is an extremely hard habit to break. Wode, you probably don't remember this, but the first time that I knew you were going to be a lawyer was when we were watching a movie. I don't remember if it was Tay Diggs or Morris Chestnut in the movie, but one of them played a lawyer. And towards the end of the movie, you looked at the TV and you were like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a lawyer. And I was like, shit, do that shit then. And well, my friend, you did that shit. So I'll kick us off with the first question. What do you know now that you wish you would have known back then about the law profession? Um. I wish I knew how quick the employment application process starts in law school. Okay. It really kicks off after the first semester of law school. Um, that thing. Yeah. And, and I'll say secondarily, I wish I had a better idea of what I wanted to do. My mm -hmm. goal was just to be a lawyer because mm -hmm. it was a show mad lot. So, I mean, or just make it to law school. But one, You know, they say when you have vision, you're supposed to had a specific vision and my vision extended all the way to law school. So mm -hmm. once I got to law school, it was like I was starting all over. I'm like, well, what do I do now? So everything was new and everything came at me pretty fast. Yeah, I wish I would have known how quick that process is or had a better idea of maybe an area of law that I really might be interested in. Because a lot of times we just don't know because we're not around it. A lot of people go to law school, we're not around law to know specifically what we want to do. 
Yeah. So I wish I could do that. You, yeah, you were totally right. If we'd have had a little, little bit more mentorship while we was in college. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I would have put money in Netflix in 01 when you was the first ones getting them discs. I never, yeah, you remember that? Shit. You remember that? <laughs> like, in the mail the next day. I'm like, yeah. that don't make sense. That yeah. don't make no sense. Shit, tell them about that DVD collection back then, boy. You and Lee figured out how not to return them, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> well, I tell you, true Negro. So, yeah, yeah, I was, I was. <laughs> I was cool as shit, though. Um, Ramon actually want to do a rapid fire session with you, so we're going to let him take over right now. Go ahead, Mo. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to shoot you some questions. It's going to be this or that, okay? All right. All right. Cheetos or Doritos? <laughs> Man. <laughs> man, let me talk to Brandon, oh, man. Go ahead, man. Go ahead, let me go talk ahead, to Mr. Ball, man. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, Doritos, but I actually mix them at times. But I'm at Subway. I just I get both of them. Ooh, don't be nasty. Uh, <laughs> uh, titties or ass? <laughs> ass. God, damn. Ass. All right. Uh, Jay Z or Drake? Jay Z. Already. X videos or Pornhub? X videos all day. Netflix or HBO Max? Netflix all day. Whitney Houston or Patti LaBelle? Whitney Houston. Who's my nigga boy? You see this? <laughs> <laughs> Nike or Adidas? Nike. iPhone or Android? Android. Ooh! <laughs> Kim K or Nicki Minaj? Nicki. All right, last one. Eat ass or ass eight? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That mean both. I that mean both. I didn't say pass. I said oh. eat ass. Oh, eat ass. Ooh. Oh, boy, you ain't gonna get off the spot. That's Chris Gardner. That's Chris Gardner. Doing that Sam Houston man. Yeah, you know. Chris, yeah. Chris, yeah. Chris was doing some stuff back in the day. They got some stories. But oh, hey, yeah. Oh. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, the, hey, yeah, he was, he was he was quiet, but he was moving. Yeah, <laughs> moving silence like lasagna, like thirteen. Thought of Miss Prime. Oh, that, oh. That, was, that was decent, Ramon. Boy, I'm proud of you. Look at you, boy. Oh, thought. Look at you. Um, Breeze, you got. Go ahead. Ask Ask Brandon something. Yeah, I got a quick question. All right, so being in the in the profession of uh, you know, you know, I guess criminal defense. Have have you or would you ever represent someone who you knew was guilty? Oh man, can I? You gonna let me expound on that? Or yeah, yeah. Like, please do. Uh, please do. Uh, okay. So yes, number one, yes. Um, but even as a public defender, even more yes because we don't pick our cases, right? The cases get assigned to us, right? Um, but going in more detail about that, it's not about somebody's guilty. It's about can they really prove it? Now that sounds like some slick talk. A lot of times people say, but it's not right, and that's what I wish people understood about the law, right? Because sometimes people shoot themselves in the foot. In my experience, a lot of people did something, right? But they might not have done what they've been charged with, right? Instead of aggravated robbery, it might be robbery. Instead of robbery, it might actually be a theft. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, or or instead of um, a theft, it might have been the thing was actually borrowed and they just returned it back kind of late, but they didn't intend to steal it at the time. There's mm -hmm. ways to work around it, but to your specific question, I know somebody did it. 100% know I did it. I need to represent them. Yes, and the real reason I got to do it, because if I don't represent that person, it creates a slippery slope. And then it, it goes down to where people who didn't do it, 
but it looks like they did it, they're not going to get representation either. The Constitution, and that's what's cool about the Constitution, it allows for representation for people who actually did it, but still have their day in court. Because the burden's on the other side, the prosecution, to say, did you do it or not, right? And a lot of times they're lazy. There's a saying I like to say, never underestimate the state's ability to mess up a case, because they can mess it up, right? Mm -hmm. Good things happen when you set cases for trial. Good things happen when you set cases for trial. It's not about did you do it, it's about can they prove that you did it. Real talk. Hey, man. That's that right there was an excellent breakdown because um, actually it's crazy because a lot of the questions that I do have for you came from other people mm -hmm. um, that didn't. Well, I definitely what you just what you just explained right there. It definitely gave me a different perspective on um, on just just that that particular situation, because I always thought like the guy that like I always bring it back to the defender that's representing the guy that killed Nipsey. Mm -hmm. I'm like, bro, y'all got him on camera. So how are y'all going to spin this to, to I guess, to make it to where he maybe doesn't get enough. I mean, maybe doesn't get, you know, the maximum time or maybe doesn't get the death penalty. I'm assuming that that's what his angle would be is representing him, even though they have him on camera. But with the way that you explained it, it makes it it makes it make sense, because if you don't explain it, and if people just look at it from the surface level, it just looks like that lawyers are just taking cases based off of, you know, money or whatever. And and it's so weird, right? I try to, um, yeah, I'm a lawyer, right? But my main job, the way I try to break it down to people is I'm really an educator, right? Mm -hmm. I educate the judge on why this case fits the law in this way. I educate the opposing side about why my client should be this, that, or the third. I'm educating the client my client i'm also educating the public right and so for the people who like you said um the guy who's accused of killing nipsey and he's on video and everything there's different type of wins and it's so funny you bring this up i just really spoke about this recently on instagram like earlier this week i spoke about how wins can be relative a lot of mm -hmm. times when somebody's asking about a win or uh, a case they're asking about can you get them off and wins look different for different people. So, for example, there's the, what we call the guilt innocence. Okay, is this a case where it's about can we get him off? Or is this a case more so about punishment where, okay, he's going to get convicted, but instead mm -hmm. of him getting 20 years, the win is five years, mm -hmm. right? Or instead of him getting five years, the win is him getting probation, right? So if we're in a death, if you're in a state where the, there's still definitely like Texas and four people get killed and it's on camera, uh, it's not really a guilt innocence case. It becomes, can you save this person's life? Right. And right. that's the win. And that's the representation of what you're speaking about. So that's okay. just important too. That makes a whole lot of sense. But just expounding, just off of that, I'm going to ask you another question later. No doubt. No doubt. Let Appreciate me, it, man. Let me I'm piggyback off of oh, what, what he just asked. Um, Brandon. Yeah. How can a person better prepare themselves before speaking to a lawyer? Well, so. Obviously, there's so many different types of areas of law, so many different types of lawyers, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you have somebody in your circle who's a lawyer, you have access to other lawyers, right? Right. So just plain and simple. Let's say your brother is a family lawyer, right? He's going to know people who do, but you need a criminal lawyer. He's going to know other criminal lawyers, and he'll have a general idea of some things you might need to keep in mind. So just maybe talk to that person. Or really... Um, I want to say Google, but here's the problem with Google if you're on the outside looking in. Google, the 
the first page is all ads and all mm-hmm. trying, to, trying to trying to say, hey, this is why I'm good. This is why I'm trying. So if you are googling it, googling from the point of view, you're just trying to get information. Just like I, I'm not trying to get bought in this moment. I'm just trying to research information. And one and lawyers are good about a lot of times when I'm trying to look up a, uh, some law really quickly and I feel like pulling out the book. I'll just go on Google. And a lot of times a lawyer's website comes out and they'll have a section where he's explaining the area of law. I'm like, okay, yeah, Google, boom. That's what I'm trying to do. You can just look at Google and then have a cursory understanding. For example, like you get charged with theft. You'll say, man, what does theft look like in Texas? Theft crime in Texas. What, uh, what is the punishment, right? And they'll say, okay, a misdemeanor. You'll say, okay, I heard a misdemeanor. Let me Google the difference between misdemeanor and felony, right? So you can still do your own research in that way. But the best advice is don't get too much into your head. Be open and humble. Be humble. Not in a humble way where um, you're going to let some, a lawyer talk stupid to you or waste your time. I'm not saying that. But just be open to receive the information you're saying. Assume you don't know things. And um, just ask them the question. So many people waste time not reaching out to their lawyers, right? Or they'll think they think more about what it is. They'll think a lawyer's expensive not knowing they'll put you on a payment plan. Or they'll think bail's too high. They call the bailman. Not knowing a bail person, depending on if you call enough of them, they'll put you on a payment plan. Different things like that. Just, you know, be willing to ask questions and be humble about the information you receive. Assume you don't know everything. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Go ahead, Mo. All right. Uh, how hard is it to separate like po- personal feelings or emotions when taking on a case? Like after you read a case? Um, it varies case to case, but the more you do it, the better you get at it. Um, and, and the more you're able to compartmentalize. Some people are able to do it a lot quicker. It also depends the area of law you do right because um like when before i was in the public defender's office like when i first came out of law school i did a lot of different areas of law because i wanted to see what i didn't like right so i really really tried my hand in family law a lot but family law is stressful for a different reason because um one thing is different between even though laws respect the profession i think the number one respect profession is the doctor right there's a thousand there's a couple things that help that right but at the end of the day there's a separation that occurs between a client and a doctor like hospital you're not going to call your doctor at 10 o'clock at night you're not but with, when it comes to lawyers people don't have that line right so they don't really understand that every time you're talking to a lawyer like in a civil situation where it be a family law where you have a question every time you talk to your lawyer it's work Right. But yeah. it's like, man, in today's world of Internet, easy access, I can text my lawyer, I can text him back. It doesn't feel like work. It feels like I'm just talking to another person. But you don't know what the lawyer has to do on the back end to respond to you. He could choose not to respond to you, but he wants to be receptive. Right. But you might ask him a question. It might take him a while to find the exact information. Or you might ask him a question. That's the hundredth time you've asked the question just because you're being annoying. Right. Because <laughs> you want some type of surety. Right. That's all stress. And depending on the area of law, sometimes that's higher there's a higher level of that so it, it it's also that too it ain't just necessarily the type of case but the more you do it in this particular area of law i think you can manage it now some cases are harder right i'm dealing with a case right now this week where um guys are looking at some serious time right and it's like trying to convince him like look bruh this is a tough case you potentially you could go to jail for 25 years but if they offer you something under 10 years that's not the worst thing Right. But I got to balance that. Right. Because I'm never one of the person who's a freaking plea attorney. Right. That's not that's not who I am. So every time somebody goes to prison, it sucks because I'm trying to win. But 
the reality is it's unrealistic to think that some people ain't going to go to prison because sometimes it's just really difficult. And going back to the previous question, I got to decide, okay, what is the win in this situation? The win is him not getting 25 years. It might only be him getting seven. Right. And figuring out that balance. That's tough, too. Okay, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Kozell, what you got? All right. Mr. Bo- Mr. Mr. Brandon, how do you deal with a client that has a distrust for public defenders? Like, what are some of the things that you do to gain the trust or at least to make the communication, you know, feasible, at least? Man, I appreciate that question. It's such a real question. So I'm going to answer your question, but I'm going to say this first, right? Okay. Um, there's this misunderstanding. There's this perception about public defenders that's warranted, right? But a lot of it has to do with television. But a lot of it also do with experiences people's friends have had. So I'll break down what it is in Texas. Okay. So Houston is the fourth largest city in America. By 2030, it's going to be the third largest city in America. Houston just got a public defender's office in 2011. Right? I was in my first, they didn't, they didn't get a public defender's office until I was in my third year of law school. When I first got to Texas, when I first got to law school and I found out that there was no public defender's office, it blew my mind. Because just like there's a DA and a prosecutor in every city, I thought there was a public defender in every city. I didn't know what the laws were on that. The way Texas is set up, Texas has 254 counties, right? Each one of those counties can't afford a public defender's office because it's a county thing. We're not a state like Colorado where it's a statewide public defender system. Every state's not like that. It's county by county. And the way people get court-appointed attorneys a lot of times is it's private attorneys who get paid work who decide to take cases from the court. So that was the system in Harris County up until 2011. And it still is the system in Harris County. Our public defender's office, even though we're growing and growing and growing, and we've really started to grow ever since Judge Lena Hidalgo got elected, she's really expanded the office, we still only take 20% of the court-appointed cases. Most of it is private attorneys, right? So there's a perception that court-appointed attorneys and public defenders, if it's not a paid attorney, they're not going to care. But there's paid attorneys who suck, too. There's just as many paid attorneys suck as there are public defenders who suck, right? Now, public defenders get a bad rap because generally across the nation, they have a high caseload and low resources. So that's what happens. But there's paid there's paid attorneys who take your $5,000 and plead you out the first day without even trying to get the evidence, without even trying to do no legal research. It's just as bad. Now, to your point, to your question, um, I, 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 I go into the initial meeting and uh, introduction with the client knowing what they think of public defenders. So on my end, I just try to create a rapport where I'm being honest with them. I try to be very communicative with them. I tell them I'm really, really good by email because sometimes I'm in court all day and email comes to my phone. So on my end, I really try to communicate. Communication is half of it. And not just with them, with their family members. Because your client might not be the best with communication, right? People tend to get in trouble. There's a lot of things certain around around that, like the education, understanding of things. So it's family members who try to reach out. We've all heard stories of family members of people trying to contact lawyers and never hearing back. I never want to be that guy, right? Um, People, but basically because the way life is, they still get frustrated with you. And that's going to happen in a variety of different things. But just across the board, nobody's ever going to accuse me of not getting back to them and answering questions. So that's that's what I focus on. That's what Brandon focuses on, trying to make sure I communicate with them. And I tell them what's going on. I, I, I don't sugarcoat anything, right? I'm not saying I tell family members the facts because I, I might not can go into detail about a client's case, even if it is your mom talking to you. 
but I try not to sugarcoat it. I try to give you the real to manage your expectations. Hmm. Okay, cool, cool. I always wondered that, like you said, you know, on TV, the PD gets the bad rap. It's just mm-hmm. like, but why? Either you know what you're doing or you don't. The reason the reason they get a bad rap is because let me give you an example. My public the public defender's office in Houston, in Houston Harris County is like the model situation, right? And one thing about them creating being created so late is they had the luxury of by the time they came on, they got to look at a, a, the way a lot of them are set up mm-hmm. and compare themselves to say, okay, we don't want to be like that, right? So there's this organization in Texas called the Texas Texas Indigent Defense Commission. And the word indigent, that's the word for people who can't afford an attorney. In, in law, if you can't afford an attorney in the criminal justice system, you're deemed indigent, so you get an attorney pointed to you. It goes back to the Supreme Court case in the 60s, Gideon v. Wainwright, where the, where the Supreme Court basically said, if you can't afford an attorney, the Constitution allows you to be represented by counsel, we'll appoint one to you. And ever since then, that's when people start getting public defenders. So if you're deemed to be indigent, right, um, you get an attorney. The public defenders in Houston we have minimum, maximum case loads of like 50 and 60. That's in a felony trial division. That's very low compared to the next state over, Louisiana, where they might have 400 cases, right? One attorney might have 400 cases, three of them, 300 of them are felony. What can you really do in that situation? So wow. that's where it comes from, right? That's why public defenders are shitting on and talk crazy because they have a case load that's un, not really manageable. They're really just glorified social workers and case managers because the resources aren't poured into them. That's starting to change and grow over time, but it's, it's still it's still going to be a long time coming for the resources to get poured in, into different public defenders' office in each state and each nation. Because each state gets to make their own laws regarding it, so they have to come to their own understanding in their own time. You know, that's where it comes from, though, because they have too many cases. To, to keep it simple, they have too many cases and they they can't manage it. They can't really investigate. They don't have funds to hire uh, experts to see. Like you might get charged with arson. And we can't have an independent arson investigator check and see, you know, look at the report because there's no money to do it while the state has all this. Because right. people tend to believe the police, right? Oh, there's a police report. You're here. They're, they arrested you. They must have found the right person. Even though with all the information they have, with all the Netflix documentaries out there about the wrong information, when people get in that courtroom, they assume it's legitimate if a cop's on the stand and then prosecution is bringing you to court. They assume it's correct. And a lot of times it really isn't. But there's nobody to counter that because the resources aren't there. So that's where all that comes from. Gotcha, gotcha. Appreciate that. Josh, what you got? Um, <clears throat> I want to know, uh, what? how did you uh, figure out what type of law you wanted to practice? Um, so in, I graduated in 2011. Like I said, I started my own practice out the gate. Started doing a lot of different things to see what I didn't like. So my background is in criminal justice. When I got, when I, at Sam Houston, those who don't know, it's known as a criminal justice school. So I majored in criminal justice. I worked at the prison while I was in school. Once I graduated, I wanted to be one of those guys because I didn't know, you know, a lot of us who end up going to college, you don't know that once people graduate, a lot of people, like only a small percentage of people work within their degree that they got. It just doesn't happen. That's not something people teach you. So I remember wanting to work within my field, right? So when I moved to Vegas and I was a pro and probation officer. So by the time I got to law school, my whole life up to that point had been within the criminal justice system. So I actually didn't want to do criminal law because I'm like, I know that. Let me let me try to do something else. But there was this organization called Gideon's Promise that it used to be called Southern Public Defender, Southern Public Defender Training Center. 
but in 2013, they changed their name to Gideon's Promise. And basically, their whole mission is to help train, mentor um, public defenders in the South, but since then, it's expanded all over the nation. And just give them the resources they need to stay in the fight and, and avoid getting burned out. Because you are going to get burned out because it's hard work, right? And you don't have the support. You're out there by yourself a lot of times. So I heard about that organization, and I got fortunate enough to go to the 2013 class, it was a two week class. And then I would go back every six months for a weekend. And I graduated from that in 2015, I think. And just standing within that community, it pulled me into criminal defense. And then I've been basically doing criminal defense ever since. Cause it was like, hey, the, the, the number one thing I was scared when I first came out, I was scared to do criminal defense because I didn't want a, a legal mistake of me not knowing something as a new lawyer to cause somebody to go to jail. It's one thing if like, oh, okay, uh, I messed up on a traffic ticket. Now the person pays $75 versus $25. But it's one thing if because I messed up something, now he's getting 15 years in jail instead of five. You know, I'm like, uh, that, that was different. But getting his promise created a network for me to fall back on and ask questions. So when I did start doing criminal defense, I knew I had some mentors around me and I can ask a lot of questions. So that's kind of what got me in criminal defense. And then from there, the public defense role. Dope. Dope. Breeze. I got one. Go ahead, Ron. Okay, I want you to either co-sign or debunk this because I've heard this plenty of times. The more you pay a lawyer, the better your sentencing will be. It's false. Now, with the real quick, what they're talking about is they're saying the expensive lawyers, they they got to that point and have a lot of clout because they've done good work. That is the case for a lot of some. That is the case sometimes, but again. I would say research the person's name, right? Understand mm -hmm. their name. It's just what happened that the names you hear the, the, around town, the fancy lawyers, they actually have also done good work, right? But mm -hmm. there are some lawyers you ain't never heard of who've done good work. And there's some lawyers you ain't never heard of who charge a lot of money who don't do good work. So to your specific question, the more you pay a lawyer, the better your sentence will be. That's just not the case. There's a lot of people sitting in prison, you know, who pay the lawyer a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I asked this one right quick. Kind of going off my first question. Um, whenever you, you uh, I heard you you saying about um getting the win, mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to you know just a lot of times you're just really trying to to make sure that the person doesn't get, I guess, more time or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, does it affect you in any way getting the win for like someone who may be clearly guilty if his family feels that he didn't that you know justice wasn't serve properly not yet not yet okay. um hasn't affected me yet what maybe i guess what you're talking about the example of where you feel like the evidence is really clear that somebody murdered somebody right mm. something wrong with him he's a murderer and he murders people and then because he goes to trial and because somehow there's a technicality and i'm able to get him off he, he gets out and he murders and you, you wonder or fear if he gonna murder somebody else right yeah i haven't run into that yet to, okay. to 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 really speak authentically about how i felt about it but the closest thing i have had to that is um there's times where a lot of people within the criminal justice system are dealing with substance abuse issues and the mm -hmm. family members understand that as long as somebody's locked up or in somebody's treatment program that's inpatient that is mandatory that 
it's keeping them away from drugs and eventually they're going to get better. Right. Yeah. So there are times where me and the family conflict because my duty is to the client. And if the client wants to get out of jail, I have to try to do what I can to get them out of jail. Mm-hmm. The family knows the person, right? The family knows once they get out of jail, they're going to get back into drugs. Mm-hmm. And so that pull happens and there's that frustration. But as the attorney, my duty is not to the family member. My duty is always, 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 always to the client. Okay. That make that makes sense, and the reason why I asked that question was because it's kind of I've I've worked in the in the criminal justice field as well, and you would always hear people say things like, "Oh man, the lawyer doesn't care because this, mm-hmm. that, and the third. But I mean, just based off the the way that you that you talk, you actually care about the results of your client being whether he you know that he doesn't get more time than I guess he should, just given the details of the um the crime that he committed. What do you do in a criminal justice field? I did um I've done probation, I've done juvenile boot camp, uh, and I've done corrections, uh, juvenile supervision. Yeah, yeah, I did all that too. When, <laughs> when I was in Vegas, I worked pro on probation, but I um, I worked part-time with the juvenile detention. Juvenile yeah. detention was I like what I did like about juvenile detention was I didn't know this. The mm-hmm. laws are set up differently where you they can't be a lot of them in a pod. So it'd be 12 or 24 to a pod. And so mm-hmm. it's totally different than a prison. Yeah. You know, I'm like, man, you got 12 kids, they each have their own room. Yes, and trust me, I, I know because I, when I did when I was um when I did corrections, man, you would have sixty three. Well, you would have forty eight guys in medium security. You would have sixty in GP, and you know, it's just, like you say, it's a different setup. And what people don't realize is, and, and I always think about this in any job situation, but it's, it's, it's exemplified, I think, the most at the prison. The prison taught me, they taught me at a young age, I started working in TDC when I was 19. It ain't the inmates, it's your coworkers that make the job hard. Yep, you know, that's, that's the, that, it's most played out, in my opinion, in the prison environment, but that's the same for any job, but it's it's crazy. You know, you had a prison, where the maximum security, you did on people, murders, rapists, uh, all these things, but they're not the issue. It's your coworkers, man. It's yeah, that's a fact. Because they are, because they already, most of them, they already know what kind of time they're looking at. Most of them, half, some of them don't want to add any more time. Then you have the very, the few that just don't give a shit. They know they're going to be in there for 70 years. So they, but sometimes those are the ones that they accept their time and they just kind of stay out the way. It, it takes a young cat a second or two, but by the time they get to be 27, they've calmed down. But yeah, mm-hmm. there's that period for some of the young ones who get like them 50 year sentences. Yeah. Where the first five years is going to be hell. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've been through that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Speaking of Vegas, fellas. Uh oh. Uh oh. This man, along Uh-oh. with two others, are personally responsible for gummy season. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, looky here. Whoa, what? Um, this is completely unrelated. Before I ask the real question, but what's the name of that place you took us in Vegas with the with the chili feast, Philly, the chili Philly cheesesteaks? Chili cheese Philly cheesesteak, the number thirty four pops steak. Yeah, that's pops. it. Listen, that shit is amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. A chili cheese cheesesteak. If I ever really think about it, I'm going to buy that place. And you need I, to I'm gonna, buy it. 
and I'm gonna chip in, I'm, and we gonna build that shit here. <laughs> and the only thing I'm gonna change on there, I'm gonna just call it just. I'm gonna just do like Ray Kroc, David McDonald. I'm gonna just say world famous pops. People are like, oh, it must be good because it says world famous. Yes. Well, well, y'all gonna have to get the chef that made the the, the chili cheese Listen, cheese thing. That it's, shit is amazing. And it's twenty four seven. It's it's a walk up like rallies, except a little bigger. Um, the corner is on though. It always makes me nervous when I walk up the corner because if somebody's after you, that's not. And, and and they find you there, you got because there's nowhere you can run. It's yeah, really- I was looking around, but my <laughs> so, brain didn't go there. But I was looking it's not around. A dangerous, like, it's not a dangerous crazy. corner at all. It's not a dangerous corner. It's just the way it's set up is you can't. It's wide. It's wide open. It's wide open. But it's so good. Number thirty four. Yeah, that's probably. Y'all know I'm not a foodie, but that's probably one of the best things I've ever eaten in my life. It's, it's so oh, good. That's so saying something. That is saying so something. Good. You eat ass. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, on that note, I got a question, and I'm going to see if you can figure out who it's from. Can you say nigga in court? Can I say it? It depends on the context. <laughs> answer your question, probably no. You no. don't think you know who that was from? Let me ask you the second question. I bet you you know who it's from. It was from Lig. But... <laughs> you already know. Uh, Have y'all had Lig on the podcast? Not yet. Not yet. They ain't ready for our number Lig, one. When Lig comes on the podcast, let me and him come on together. We talk about Thailand. Yeah, Man, okay. Not going as much Thailand. as we can. We'll talk about right. as much as we can. All right. I'm going to do that. I know you can't say some shit. <laughs> <laughs> I should have went with y'all. But... Hey, 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 it was all good. Anyway, um, if Bruce Wayne was arrested and okay. you were appointed as his public defender, okay, how would you start to build your the, the defense against the charges of being a mass vigilante? Uh, well, initially, I would need to see what evidence they have, right? Like, mm-hmm. so they got tapes of him taking off his, you know, his mask. If there's a GPS, somebody locked on the back cave and they found him going to Bruce Wayne's home, you know, I need to see what they have. But let's assume they have all of that. Let's assume they got GPS going to his house. Let's assume they got a picture of him on the mask. Um, what I would really do then, I would, this is me thinking outside of my head. Um, this, I would look at the cases in which the people he alleged to have hurt, beat up, harm and revenge of other people and I would on my in my case when it's my time to bring my people I would talk to the people who were harmed by those people and I would ask them like what happened what did that bad person do and I would just have a bunch of those people come in and then hopefully I'd be going for a thing what we call jury nullification where based off the law they should find them guilty but they still find it favor of you because of the emotions or sentimentality of it all okay I would so- shift yeah. Lig, I hope that answers your question. Lig, he actually have another question. Is uh, is Tom Brady a demigod? <laughs> <laughs> That's a damn good question. That's a damn good question, man. You want to know? So is it? Is it? Is Tom Brady a demigod? Demi is half man, half god. Yeah, yeah, he's a demigod. Ooh. <laughs> Broads ought to be pissed off when he hear that. <laughs> but check it. But check it. All demigods have weakness. So what is his though? I don't know. So we might have to bump him up to God status, right? Because he's he, you know, he's lost three Super Bowls, so he ain't God. That might be somebody else's fault though. But mm-hmm. 
So, what, so what would they make? Well, I can't. He didn't play great in that Super Bowl, Philly. He didn't play the best when they lost. One more question from League, and it's a, it's a actually not silly. What's a law in Texas that nobody talks about but comes up in court regularly? Okay, um, resisting arrest. Okay, a law in resisting arrest is that we all hate as criminal defense attorneys. Even if it's an unlawful arrest that they're making, even if they have no reason to be pulling you over, even if they have no reason to put you in handcuffs, you can't. That's not a reason to run from it. Mm -hmm. Like that, and this actually says that, like they put you up for no reason, they mess with you for no reason, you still can't run from it. So even if they're doing that all unlawfully, if it can be shown as unlawful, they can still go after you from running from them. Right, you can't just say, man, I ain't did nothing and walk off. No, you can't, which sucks, man, because I wish that could be the argument. Like, look, they should have stopped him in the first place. Right. Right? But they, they had it in the statute that um, unlawful arrest is not justification. Wow. That's some cold-blooded shit. Yeah, for that's, real. That's, that's messed it's up. It's cold-blooded, man. Just so they, cold just got, they just have free jurisdiction to fuck with you. Basically, and I spent a lot of time talking about that, like the mindset of, like, you want to avoid the police entering into your world. So I'm gonna give y'all a basic example of how it all works. You're driving and your license, no, your taillight is out, right? So your taillight is out, obviously you didn't know that. They pull you over and um, they walk up, hey, they tell you your taillight's out. Up until that point, it's a ticket, right? They're not, you know, it's a ticket. But once they walk up to you, let's say they smell alcohol. Well, now they're gonna pull you out for a DWI and do that test, more than likely you're gonna fail it because nobody passes it. Now you're facing a DWI, right? Or let's say they smell weed. If they smell weed in the vehicle, they're allowed to search your entire vehicle wherever weed may be found without a warrant. And the reason they treat the home, the car different than your home, because they couldn't do that if it was your home. Let's say if they knock on your door looking for somebody and they smell weed, they can't come into your home. The reason they can do that with your vehicle is because the Constitution and Supreme Court in different cases have said that driving is a privilege. So when something becomes a privilege, you have less rights in that area because hmm. it's a privilege, right? You don't, everybody doesn't have, it's not a given right to drive. You earn that right to drive. So that's what allows them to do that. Wow. So, but it all came from, they pulled you over for a taillight. Then they smell weed. Then they search your vehicle. Now they find more drugs. They find a gun. And guess what? You're a felon. And they arrest you for felon in possession all because of a taillight. And then mm -hmm. they smell weed. So it's like you always got to be thinking about that thing, right? It's like it's never all these cases, most of these cases, it's never person was waving a gun or doing this. No, it's always a traffic ticket. It's always yeah. a traffic ticket. And the way Houston PD is set up reminds you, fourth largest city in America, soon to be third largest. And all the police agencies we got in Texas and just specifically within Houston, HPD is the biggest. Only 10% of their vehicles, this is important, only 10% of their vehicles have dash cameras. Dash cam technology is older than body cam. Body cam is only 10, 15 years old. Dash cams have been around since the late 80s, early 90s. Only 10%, most of the DWI units, have dash cameras. So what does that mean? If they pull you over, let's say they said they pulled you over because you were swerving or you failed the signal. When I see the video, there's no way to verify it because the only video I'm looking at is body cam because their cars don't even have dash cams. It's crazy. They say anything, wow. right? That's the gym right there. It's it's, but it sucks because it's at our disadvantage. Mm -hmm. So one of my baby, baby, baby projects that I'm gonna 
try to fight as long as I'm a lawyer is getting to a point where HPD all has body cam. I mean, dash cameras as well as body cam. Because in 2021, if anything we've learned, we need the video because cops mm-hmm. are lying. You know, mm-hmm. they, they especially lie. what's been going on. Yeah, and people people assume cops be lying. They think about the, the George Floyd situation. Yeah, that's the extreme situation. But the, the cops lie at the small level, right? Which still send people to jail and still send people to prison. And a lot of it is the whole groups. Groups are stupid. Individuals are smart, but groups are stupid. Mm-hmm. You got a cop who's on for two years. He got bills to pay. He don't want to get ostracized for calling out a superior for doing something. So he'll just go along and get along and not do the right thing because the whole idea of group dynamics. And that's how we fall and that's how we fail. And as a lawyer, I know and see that and I know how people interact, but how can I get that evidence in? It makes it really hard because they, they know what they have and don't have and they, they work the system in a way to where it's just presented what they have. And it's hard for me to counter. Because like I said, people still want to believe when the cops understand it's legitimate. And they think the Joy Floyd is an extreme situation. They don't know every day somebody's saying, I smell weed when you really didn't smell weed. Or they're saying, he failed the signal when there's no way to verify mm-hmm. it because there's no doubt. It's, so it's, it's things like that. Yeah, man. When it's my turn, I have two questions, though. Go ahead. Yo. Okay, so my first question is, have you seen that video that's been online of the cop reaching in his back pocket, putting something in the guy's um, trunk that they had pulled over? I saw that. Okay, so in a in a situation like that where they clearly have that on camera, what's the what's the 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 recourse or you know the penalty for that particular situation? Because I mean they clearly have the guy handcuffed. One cop one cop is holding him or handcuffing him, and then you see the other officer in the back kind of reaching his back pocket to throw something in his trunk. I mean, does he just is is, is that up to like the the I guess the um the chief or whoever of police to to push that, uh, you mean to maybe get the case dismissed, or to go or out? to or to reprimand the officer in some way, or get him fired, or pro- you know what I'm saying? Because I mean, it's clearly it, you can see it clear as day that he reached in his pocket and put something in the, you know, how do you, what what happens to that guy when he goes to, you know, to court for it? I mean, uh, what happens to the officer who did it or the guy? Well, to the to the guy that I'm assuming that it gets thrown out. Yeah, so let's um, assume. Yeah, let's assume one he gets thrown out, right? Once they see the video, oh, he didn't do it, he gets thrown out. But you're really asking, so what's the recourse for that cop though? Like, yeah, yeah, what's the recourse for the cop? From, yeah, so that's one thing that in general we need to do a better job of. So we focus a lot of times on the criminal case, right, and the disposition of the criminal case. But if we're fortunate enough to get the case dismissed in those type of situations, the next thing we got to do is really go after these officers. And what way do we go after these officers? Well. You write a internal, like their internal investigators, you know, every agency has that. You write a report and submit that to them. Or, and also, depending on the situation, you can submit a lawsuit. Now, I will tell you, lawsuits against cops are hard, even if we have evidence like that, because of qualified immunity laws that are in place. And basically, qualified immunity is the law that says, well, they're acting in their capacity, so they can't be prosecuted. Now, in that case, the evidence clearly shows that he wasn't acting in his capacity, right? But the problem is when it comes to lawsuits, a lot of times it's about money. Sometimes the police agency can separate themselves from the officer and be like, nah, he acted on his own. It's not a training thing. We didn't train him to do this. It can't, there's no connection that showing he was training. He, he did that separate and apart. So you can't sue the police agency because we have the big bucks for it. You have to sue him. And there's really no point in suing him because he ain't got no money, right? But it just falls flat. But so specifically, though, just um, 
an internal affairs investigation or a report, whatever that process is, submit that, follow up with that, and just keep following up with that. And um, I, I know as a lawyer, we got to do a better job at after a case getting dismissed. Okay, I know this cop lied, making sure that documentation is there in this file. Because mm-hmm. he might not get fired for that first time, but if enough things happen, eventually he will, you know what I'm saying? And then creating mm-hmm. that paper trail. And, that, and that's what I've noticed about a lot of those cases where these cops do certain stuff. They start looking in their file and seeing that they've had um, police brutality, you know, um, you know, reports against yeah. them from other people and stuff like that. No doubt. No. Yeah, exactly. Because what that does for us is it starts because, again, remember, I was saying when he's on the stand, he's going to mm-hmm. be assumed credible. But we have that paper in the file. We can start taking away from his credibility. We can start taking away from his credibility. You know, we start taking away from it, and then that helps it because you just never know. Like the thing we do today, you never know down the line where it can help. Mm-hmm. You know? But we have to do a better job of doing it. But the reality is, a lot of times we're so happy to have the case done and dismissed, and we get that. We just like we let the cop make it. When we need to start doing a better job holding them accountable, because uh, changing of the laws and changing of the policies and the processes is a slow process. And every now and then, you have a catalyst that occurs, like the George Floyd situation or Maude Aubrey. But even within the context of that, if you already have the foundation of paperwork you've been building. So big, small picture. People talk about Brown versus Board of Education, right? What people don't really understand is um, overturning Plessy versus Ferguson that said uh, separate but equal is okay. Mm-hmm. It was a long process by the NAACP. It was a lot of small cases. So by the time they got to Topeka in Kansas, Brown v. Board of Education, it was really a bunch of cases together. And they had done the studies. They had done the research. When they presented that information to the Supreme Court, they're like, look, and they had more evidence to work with. It wasn't just based off one case. And that's all it is in a lot of things. Paper trail, paper trail, paper trail, paper trail, paper trail, in some form of that. So you oh, Yeah, and I had and I I'm sorry, go I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just and, Okay, my bad. Um, and my other question was too, when you were talking about the traffic stop, how long um or how long can you be detained by uh, an officer once you pulled over because I've heard different I've heard different theories but I don't even know if any of those are actually true the best answer is I hate to tell you this I'm absolutely going to want you to tell it depends because it just depends on what they need to do mm-hmm. right sometimes it's a two hour stop right sometimes it's mm-hmm. five minutes it really just depends on what they need to do what they're looking for. let's say they're looking for drugs and you have a lot of stuff in your vehicle you might be there on the side of the road for a while you know what I'm saying they smell weed and they find a couple of drugs and they need to, once they arrest you, they got to do what's called an inventory search to make sure all your items are documented. If you have a lot of stuff, it might take a while. So there's, there's no 10 minutes is too long, an hour is too long. That's just not how it works. It really is fact dependent on your situation. Okay. You ain't going nowhere till we done, boy. <laughs> I'm not going to lie because I heard, cause I heard a, a- I heard somebody say that they can only hold you, they can only detain you for a certain amount of time, but if another cop car pulls up, then your time starts over. No, definitely not. That's okay, not, okay. Not a, that's not a, I'm just saying that's not a bright line rule. Not at all. Yeah, 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 okay. Not at all. Josh, you got something else? Yeah, I got one. Uh, have you have you experienced any struggles being a lawyer that's black? And uh, have you ever had like a bad sentencing because of race? Um, I probably have had a bad sentencing because of race, but I was also in a small town in Central Texas where it was just layered, right? So, um, I'll say I probably have, um, 
but they also, the law wasn't on her side in the situation in which she was facing. But I do think it was definitely some old boy stuff happening. Um, but as a black attorney, have I struggled? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I love speaking about that because um, like it's one thing as a black attorney, and any black attorney will tell you this, it, there's the things you deal with from, like I've had a suit on with my briefcase and a judge has still assumed I was the client. <laughs> that, wow. happens. that happens, right? Wow. Um, but we don't get the benefit of the doubt from black people either, you know, mm-hmm. that's where conditioned and trained that, hey man, you'll get your white lawyer, man. If you're a black lawyer, you know, we, we had those memes we all seen go around. If your lawyer's dressed like this, you're going to jail, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. But I mean, if we're re- a lot of times, you know, we really have a real discussion just with ourselves and us, a lot of times there's this thing where man, it's probably more legitimate, man, this white dude gets the benefit of the doubt where the black person doesn't. So that's what I like speaking about, talking about how that's the thing we got to change. And it's not, it's not, um, I think very few people do it purposefully. Uh, I just think it's a condition that occurs that it's not something people even think about. Just like 30 years of watching Law and Order conditions people in a certain way. It just does. You know, imagine if it was 30 years of public defender show. It'd be a different thing, right? But 30 years of Law and Order and cops stuff like that conditions people the same thing as white people and you see them associated with them as lawyers and you hear about jewish people being lawyers and those associations and you'll just assume well oh okay if, if they're this way it's better than this black guy right or and so I, every black lawyer deals with that to a certain extent it's like the client will struggle to pay you money but that white guy they'll come up with the money quickly they'll find a way to get it paid we've all dealt with so that's something that happens every day. Hmm. Zell? Yeah, I got one. Uh, are there any cases that you would have personally worked if you had the chance? Like anything that's happened in the past, just say decade, like George Floyd, anything like that? Would you have worked any of them if given the opportunity? I would like to work the Robbie Tolan case um, here in Houston. He was the baseball player who got shot. Right, right. Front yard. Um, that'll be interesting. That's here in Houston. Um, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to. Um, yeah, yeah. I would like to the Robert Tolan case. I would like to have been a civil attorney trying to bring a lawsuit against that. It's hard in the Fifth Circuit where we are in Texas. So the way courts are broken down is federal courts and state courts. And the federal courts, their courts of appeals, there's the trial level at the federal level, and then there's mm-hmm. the appeal court and the Supreme Court. At the appeal level at the federal, it's called a circuit, right? We're in the Fifth Circuit. The Fifth Circuit consists of Texas, Mississippi, and Louisiana. Um, it's the most conservative circuit. So it's really hard to, of all the cases, it's really, really hard to get discrimination cases or police misconduct cases heard in this circuit where if you if I was in California or Colorado, you have different outcomes. So I would like to have been involved in that Robbie Tolan case where um, the cops shot him, the red air cops, and and, and and suing them going through that process. Because as a criminal defense lawyer, you're not going to see the same amount of evidence as civil attorneys do in civil cases. Because mm-hmm. there's so much paperwork that goes back and forth. 
you, you really get into the weeds in a different manner and you're obligated to turn things over to each other that isn't obligated at the criminal level. Like at the criminal level, the state prosecution is supposed to give me everything for the most part, but I don't have to give them anything because it's their burden. They don't want to prosecute them. But at the civil level, there's this thing called almost a version of reciprocal discovery where, hey, let me know what you have, let me know what you have, and we go from there. Hmm. Interesting. Very. Actually, I got one more if y'all don't mind. Go ahead, get it off. And, no, I'm just playing. No, I'm just playing. Go ahead. Hey, with your rapid uh, fire over there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't start. Hey, hey man, ask your question. Yeah, okay. <laughs> what was the most complicated case that you've had? If, if you're able to speak on that. If not, I can give you another question. I assisted in a David Temple case. So David Temple was a KD football coach back in 99, was accused of killing his wife. He didn't go to trial on that case until 2005 or get charged until 2004, 2005. He went to trial in 2007 and lost. And I assisted with the retrial because it was found that a lot of information about the case wasn't handed over to the criminal defense attorneys at the time. So there was a retrial hearing called what we call a writ hearing, where they got to argue that if the new evidence had been presented, we might have had a different outcome. The trial might not have been found guilty. So I assisted, assisted with that, and I think that was 2015. And he was let out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But unfortunately, a couple of years later, they had the retrial after he was let out, um, and they retried, and he got convicted again. Unfortunately, now it's up for appeal. But that case was very complicated because there was a lot of moving pieces. It was an old case, and there were just a lot of documents. And I assisted with attorneys Stan Schneider and Casey Gotro and Romney Kaplan on that case. It was just a lot of moving parts, man. And it was a real, it was a lot happening. It was a lot happening. And I, and me personally, and I'm not saying that because I worked on the case. I really, based off the evidence, I don't think they had enough to find him guilty. But they ended up finding him guilty twice. So I think about that, right? I just think, in my opinion, the jury. Instead of looking at the facts that found him guilty, they couldn't find the facts that found somebody else guilty. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the wrong thing, right? Focus on, is there enough evidence for him? But they, in their mind, they felt like somebody needed, like somebody had to have done it. Let's try to find out who that is. And we can't think of anybody else who had done it. So therefore we're gonna convict him, unfortunately. It was real, real, it was a lot of documents. It was a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. A lot of moving pieces and no connections, huh? They, the jury thought there was some connections. They just didn't. <laughs> they didn't believe. Yeah, the jury didn't believe in coincidences, or just they just they just they believed the state's opinion about what he probably was doing. But I just don't think the facts were there. You know, uh, the hard facts were there. That's the criminal defense attorney in me, I guess. Mom. Um. Um. <laughs> uh, did your coochie right go up from when you were in uh... man let me ask my question man. Uh, did your coochie right go up from when you were in college now that you're a public let me, let me answer this, like, let me answer this. no let, let a man answer <laughs> I don't think so no listen he my friend. He always getting ass. What's wrong with you? Yeah, but when you're a lawyer, you know, it, it should No, no, no. I don't think you understand. <laughs> <laughs> you know me, right? <laughs> think about that. There we go. 
Now, this is my guy. So that's the answer to your question. <laughs> yeah, you ain't wore a turtleneck in 15 years, so you didn't oh, no. so, hey. oh, oh, there. <laughs> so, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, yeah. <laughs> about right. Uh, this boy, yeah. <laughs> Brandon, you got another one? Uh, yeah, man. Uh, what, what what advice would you have for these a lot of these little young boys out here that that think that it's it's cool to be out in these streets heavy? Um, that people will snitch on you. Um. <laughs> yeah, hey, for real. But I mean, hey, hold on, let him finish, cause I, cause I had this was a this was a requested um question. People so keep snitch, it real. People will snitch, people will snitch on you, like um, you know, you're a certain way when you're around your friends versus your home, right? And you know, you're hanging out this one person but the reality is that's not really not who you are especially at 17 16 you know you're still finding yourself mm-hmm. um and they're gonna stitch on you the police are gonna get you into the room they're gonna say this person said something even though they didn't you're gonna be mad about it you're gonna believe it you're gonna think it's a legitimate thing because this guy who has a shirt and tie on who says he's a detective said this thing so it must be real and it's not and they're gonna stitch on you Right. And sometimes it might not even take the manipulation on the cops. It might just be like <laughs> being nervous. Yeah. So they're going to say, oh, well, yeah, um, it, it was all of us, blah, blah, blah. Right. Also, what people need to know is even if you ain't the one holding the trigger, if you're with them, you're going to get the same time. This idea that hmm. if you weren't the person with the gun in your hand, you'll get like instead of a second degree, you get a third degree. That's not the case. You'll get the exact same, exact same time. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's scary. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, because I always thought it. I always thought that you know, you get yeah. less time for not having. Okay. No, no, it's hmm. the same. It's, at least in Texas, they see it as the same thing. Same thing. There's cases where the uh, the person who didn't have the gun um, did more time than the person with the gun because the person with the gun snitched. Damn. Yeah. Damn. They switched sooner, or wow. the person the person who didn't have the gun. Um, he didn't, his lawyer didn't fight the case hard and the person with the gun fought the case hard and his case got dismissed and went to trial. But the other mm. person, the other person took a plea, did 40 years, but the other person went to trial and won and he had the gun. You know? mm. Y'all yeah. better not kill nobody around me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see how you rhymed it. Yeah, so you're going to get, yeah, so that's, that's, those two things I think you need to understand. For whatever reason, when it's ag robberies, ag, okay, so with, you hear the term ag. What makes something aggravated robbery is if it's a serious a, a, a robbery, which means taking something by threat or force. So there's theft on the basic level. There's theft, robbery, ag robbery, right? Theft is you took something that was yours, right? I walk into Walmart, take the uh, take the PlayStation, walk out. Theft, okay? It becomes a robbery when I walk up to Walmart, I'm talking to a Walmart worker, give me that motherfucking PlayStation, bitch. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It becomes a robbery. That's a robbery. It becomes an aggravated robbery if you show a gun, point a gun, or if you shoot him with the gun, or if you just punch him in the face and it really, really mess him up. It ain't enough to give him a black eye. You got to knock your eye socket out. Damn. Serious bodily injury. That's what makes an aggravated robbery. Aggravated robbery is a first degree. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So somebody who's 16 years old going to the gas station, pointing a gun at somebody, you steal $200. Now you might get 30 years because it's five to 99 for $200. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And it's whatever. So I'm predisposed 
when I see an ag robbery case, I'm like, man, I bet it's a kid 17 to 25 or 15 to 25. A lot of people in juvie too is ag robbery. So really like mm-hmm. 12 to 25 because they just, they don't, they don't know. They're just, they're just, their mind, they're just with their friends. They're doing something. They have no concept. They haven't really looked at Google to see how much time would I get for doing this. They haven't done that, right? They don't know they're going to do it, right? They think they're going to get away with it. But yeah, it's now your life has changed. Now your life has changed. Yeah. That's crazy because it's like, and you're right. You're absolutely right. It is a lot of times it's between, you know, the 15 to 25 or whatever. Cause that's a lot of the, with a lot of the kids um that I used to, that I used to deal with, what they were in there for. And a lot of them do like the breaking and entering. So it's breaking and entering and aggravated robbery. Can that be, can a breaking and entering uh, aggravated robbery be a separate charge put together? A lot of times they'll put it as one, but I mean, if they want to be specific, uh, particular about it, they could, but a lot of times it'll just be one thing. Okay. But I imagine if you break into somebody's house, you know, while you're there, you, you beat them up, Mm-hmm. It's something that might try to get you with both, but a lot of times it'll just be burglary with another crime attached, which just makes it a first degree or some type of other hands. But let's say you break in a you break into one house and then rob somebody else on the street, then it'll, it'll be both of those. Okay. So they'll charge with burglary and then aggravated robbery or robbery. Can I slide a question in? No doubt. Uh, have you seen a lot of juveniles being tried uh, as an adult, like an increase in that? I haven't done a lot of juvenile law since I've been practicing. I've done a little bit, but a lot of juveniles are trying to adults. So in Texas, you're an adult at 17, but sometimes they try to get 16-year-olds as adults or get them what's called certified once they turn a certain age and transfer them to adult court. Yeah. You'll see that with the more serious crimes, with robberies, aggravated robberies, assaults, uh, sexual assaults, and murder. You'll see that. You'll see that. And, and the win for in those cases is not getting them certified. Right. It's a win. Like they got got found guilty, but they weren't certified as an adult. That's the win. Because mm-hmm. if not certified as an adult, that means at a certain point they're gonna have to get out of prison at a certain age. They they won't transfer over to adult prison and get sentenced like an adult. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Shook, you slid in. You got a question? What's up, fellas? No, I'm good. I'm just listening. I don't know what's what's been asked or anything, so I'm just uh just listening in. I I I I'll cool. comment if need be. All right, all right. Breeze, I know you got some more. Go ahead, get everything you got off. Oh, no, I ain't got too much. But uh, I do want to know about the whole juvenile uh, situation. So what's the age? What's the minimum age limit to be certified? Is it still 14, or did they raise it or anything like that? I'm almost certain it's still 14. Okay. I was just wondering. And a lot of these questions that I had, they came from, like, some other people, too. And I'm assuming that, you know, some of these are probably – from a personal standpoint? No, I mean, no doubt. I love the idea of the people getting questions asked, right? Like, I, that's what I try to talk about on Instagram. I, I try to think of the in-between stuff, right? That, like, I talk to people about what to wear to court, why it's important not to be late, why it's important not to miss court, what does a bond mean, What's, what types of probations exist, um, why bailiffs can be assholes and can fuck up your life, um, how much power the state and the prosecution really has, like, what your attorney is probably thinking, why you should communicate with your attorney. All these things are a lot of times stuff people aren't thinking about and why should they be thinking about it, right? They're not attorneys. They're not They're, they're not trying to be involved. Like, I always try to tell other, because lawyers get frustrated. Like, man, the client did this, this, and this. I'm like, they're not a, a lawyer, bro. Why, you up here been doing this shit for how many years? They're not doing what you do. If I put you in a plumber's office tomorrow, they're going to laugh at you. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. that's, you're not a plumber. It's the same thing. 
right? We have this thing where they get frustrated. Like somebody's coming to you for, I hate when I see attorneys on Facebook try to just vent in their own way by posting something, a client asked them that they thought was stupid. You know, I'm like, bruh, they, bruh, like, you exist because people make mistakes and you're helping them out. Like, mm-hmm. they don't know. You know what I'm saying? Why are you making fun of their ignorance? At whatever level, you're making fun of somebody's ignorance. You know what I'm saying? And it's literally the thing that feeds your pockets. Like, what are you doing, bro? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are you doing? Right? If, if I put you in a tax attorney's office tomorrow, you don't know which way is up? Hell no, nah, you ain't gonna know shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, the idea that people have questions. People, we've all sat in class and we had a question, but we didn't feel like raising our hand, right? It's the same thing in real life and that carries over, right? So one thing I try to get across to people is ask your question because it could save you in the future. Like, pay that, I'll say pay that traffic ticket because you don't want to get that warrant. For traffic tickets, you know, they can't send you to prison for, I mean, they can't send you to jail for traffic tickets. They can arrest you, but they can't send you to jail for it. The highest fine for a traffic ticket is $500 in Texas. The reason you go to jail is because you don't pay the traffic ticket. That's mm-hmm. what gets you to jail. Mm-hmm. It ain't the traffic ticket. It's that you didn't pay it and you missed court. That's what gets you to jail. Damn. Oh, let me ask, let me ask you this because uh, I know a lot of people probably about to go through this or going through this. Um, why do uh, the state offer plea plea bargains so quickly? Whether you're guilty or not, why do they want you to take a plea before going to trial? So each prosecutor has a lot of cases. And so they don't really look at the cases until before trial, believe it or not. So there's this thing called a DIMS report in the office report. It's two different things. A DIMS is the summary of what the officer is going to put in the office report. A lot of times it's just a condensed version. This is the probable cause. This is what happened. This is why I arrested him, right? And I swear that this is true. The office report sometimes takes a little bit more to develop and they'll add supplements to it, but it's a more thorough report about this is who I talk to. This is the person. These are these identifying information, right? A prosecution, a prosecutor really bases their case off those two reports. They assume it's legitimate, right? Mm-hmm. And they make an offer based off that. They'll look at the person's criminal history. They'll look at the picture. They'll look at these things. They'll say, okay, we'll offer you this based off this. And they haven't really looked at it. I think people need to really, 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 really know that. The average prosecutor has not really looked at their case. They've only looked at the office report, spoken to the victim, and read the Dems, right? They haven't mm-hmm. done a thorough investigation. They have not. So they offer you a deal so it's a case that they don't got to do the work to go to trial because it takes a whole nother thing to prep for trial. And the reason they take deals away is, oh, you made me do work. I'm going to take that five years away, and now I'm only going to offer 15. Or if you, go to, if you lose, I'm going to ask for 15 because you made me do work. So now I'm gonna make you do work. That's messed up. That's, yeah, that's fucked up for real. But that's oh, that's just in their mind that's the culture of the situation. They have not done the work, right? It's their burden, but they have not looked at the case, and we know that, which makes COVID so much frustrating because COVID has slowed everything down because there haven't been any trials. So we got people cases who should have been resolved, whether it be dismissed or gotten a better offer one way or the other. But the prosecution hasn't done the work to look at the case. Because you know when if you have court tomorrow, you know when the prosecution is looking at your case? Today. Right? Oh man. <laughs> that shit crazy. He gets reset for two months and they're gonna look at it again the day before to see if they got the documentation. Oh, we still didn't get it. Let's reset it again. It's they just do it because you're just a number on a piece of paper. They don't know you're a person sitting in jail or out who missed out on job opportunities because you have this case pending or who can't get out of jail. 
all these things because you got a high ass bond because it's assumed you did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, that's it's, messed up, man. But it's it's, it's the real. It's, it's it's what's going on. They don't the way the system's set up. They don't they don't look at the cases. They don't. It's, they have maybe because they have a lot of cases. I, I don't know, but they do not look at the cases. For the most part. Mm. The system all fucked up. It is, man. I got one more question though. A little change, change of speed a little bit. It's my last one though. Hey, man, have you ever had a client? And you don't have to answer this, but um, have you ever had a, a female client and you just was like, "Damn, she bad." Come yeah. on, you know he's had some of those. <laughs> just saying, I'm just talking about yeah, like yeah, one that just made you be like, "Damn, son." Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hey, definitely. But you, I bet you, but you can't, but it's like professional courtesy. I know, you know. No, not courtesy. Professional, you can't do anything. You can lose your license. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't do anything. <laughs> yeah, so, I bet you, I, I bet you ain't lose them cases, huh? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I try to do my damage, you know. I try to do my damage. But yeah, th- that happens, man. Like, oh, Lord. I can imagine. <laughs> hey, hey, just to piggyback off of his question, have you ever had to work a case for somebody you know who ever had a hostile client? Yeah, definitely. Definitely rough. Hostile client, hostile family members uh, with unrealistic expectations. Clients who just are, are just, I hate to say the word needy, but more so like they're just going to ask you the same question over and over and over. Wanting you to hear a different answer. And, you, and I don't, I, I don't, that's one of my weaknesses. I don't operate well in that. When you've asked me the six question, same question 18 different times, and you think you've asked it 18 different ways, but it's the same question. I don't, I start to break down at that point and I'll just be like, you know what, we have to, change our communication up a different way because I'm not getting anything across to you. But yeah, I definitely also had hostile clients. I got a client right now who, um, you know, unfortunately keeps picking up new cases and he's frustrated he can't keep getting a bond. One thing that's really you need to understand is if you're on bond, you pick up a new case, the judge is going to revoke that bond and throw you in jail. If you get out again or she lowers your bond, that's a gift. I got a guy, I've had guys who while they had a case, they picked up four different cases on four different incidents. And they're frustrated. And they're frustrated that the judge won't lower his bond. It's like, bruh. bruh you don't I've like never, his freedom. It's like, bruh, I've never been arrested. And you've been arrested five times in, in two months. It's like, come on, bruh. It's like, it ain't it ain't the system. At you, at you. It's not. But that person who gets in trouble in that way, they're not seeing it in that way. So you just have to manage that conversation. Like, And their marriage, man, my boy inside, he got out. And they always tell me some story about somebody in jail who supposedly got all these cases got out, but it's never the case. That's never exactly the case like that if you were to look at it. But they feel like, oh no, I'm a, number one, it's a different court. Number one, he don't have many cases you do. You think he does, he really doesn't. You know what I'm saying? It's like they're really mad at themselves and they're mad at you. Why can't you give me a little bomb, man? I picked up this new bullshit charge because this is just like because you picked up a new charge. You keep losing, you start losing the benefit of the doubt every time you get picked up. Right. You know what's crazy, man? I used to tell I used to tell guys that when I worked in the in the system like that, hey man. Well, me and so and so came in. Hey, bro, you and his case totally different. Even if y'all come in technically right. for the same charge, y'all case is. T- I used to tell them kids that all the time. You know, like man, your case just because he might get probation, you might go do some time. Correct, correct, correct. And you know, it sucks being black in our criminal justice system. I have this thing I say where. We're minorities, but the only time I'm a majority is when I'm in the courthouse, right? It's mm-hmm. like, that's the only time I'm a majority. And the disparity in the type of sentencing and the way people look at you is just different. So, like, we shoot ourselves in the foot so much. You know, we shoot ourselves in the foot so much. But 
lot of it ain't our fault. But a lot of it is like us being like, well, the system is against me, so I might as well live there. Like, nah, nah, you don't got to take that approach either. You don't got to take that approach. Yep. 100% right. You can you can go a different way. You can go a different way if you think about it. Josh, you got a, another question before I move on? I think that all the uh, questions that I had have been ran through. All right. Zell? got another question unrelated to your profession sir uh you and chris are friends give us a couple of memories but you know if y'all was kicking it like that that's saying something had to go down man come on yeah we hey. need some hey b already say chris eat ass but you know <laughs> that's not what he said that's not what he said <laughs> <laughs> That's what I took from it, sir. Yeah, yeah, too, yeah. Me too. Yeah, me too. Um, so like, man, the stuff that comes to mind is stuff y'all already kind of know about him. But um, so Chris different, right? He's different. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's different, bro. Like he's different. He's one of those like different. This, you know, you meet certain different people, it's different. And it's, it was so crazy where him and Lig, Lig is also different. He's actually more different, right? And so you don't run across, I mean, I didn't go to MIT or nothing like that, you know, but I'm imagining there's a lot of different type of people there too. But seeing two different people in that proximity, it was like a lot, you know what I'm saying? Because Chris, <laughs> Chris was a loner, but everybody knew he was, you know what I'm saying? Everybody knew he was. And there was always this air about the situation where nobody was going to run up on him. And a lot of it was rumor in the window <laughs> about the karate shit. You know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody about to run up on him. It's just the way he carried himself. Nobody was about to run up on him. Nobody was about to run up on him. No football player. Nobody who thought he was a fake thug. I, when I found when I got to college and I found out people fought and there was thugs in college, it blew my mind. Chris ain't had to worry about none of that. You know, he, he kept to himself. So I don't have no nothing. Like I said, I don't got nothing crazy. People didn't mess with him like that. They, they, it, that didn't happen. It just didn't. It didn't happen. So you was walking around there like, yep, man, huh? Nah, man, I just let me find out you was over there walking around there like master yep. Bro. I just moved different. Man. Yeah, well, <laughs> hey, what you, you know about triple digit McCray though, man? Hey, triple digit hey, McCray. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> number the his specific triple digit is three oh four. Listen, flip it upside down. Is these guys? Tell them. The, about the first time I had a gummy in Vegas, what did you say to me? You know, I, um, you know, my memory because you know, I was there. I was all over the place too. So you were, yeah. You so were. you remember about that? I still think I had a slight stroke. If I <laughs> really? Oh, I, no, I didn't. I didn't have a stroke, right? But right, you, right, right. If you look at the picture from that the wedding where we were all hugged up, yeah. my face, my face, I looked like I had palsy. Palsy or something. Yeah, you was <laughs> gone. Nick too. <Duke. laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh yeah, it is Vegas it. though, so we was in the co- we was in the rental and I was I think I was just rambling and Brandon <laughs> said <laughs> Brandon say, Nigga, you high <laughs> and I was like, huh? I said, no, nah, what you mean? And I was like, you know what? I think I am. <laughs> 
I was like, this is what this feels like. <laughs> well, I was over there seeing colors, huh? But y'all don't understand. This was like 4 p.m. We was we started, gone. Because you know, you know, y'all saw that meaning started getting passed around this week that says edibles don't kick in until you start talking shit about them. Nice. He did. It was kind of like, yeah. See, he had, you know, Chris went there to Vegas with a plan. I didn't even know about the, you know, I was like, he he had a mission. You know what I'm saying? I was like, oh, okay. And, <laughs> and Lig was going to educate him about some stuff. But Vegas is even more so now. Like, however much it was then, because they were just now, they had just got the, they had, the laws had just passed when we first got there. Now, it's even more so. They got this place called, uh, I don't know, unless that's one of y'all been, but all of the taxis on it, it's called Planet Something Something. This uh, it's this spot, twenty four seven. It's huge. It's it's like a uh, Costco. It's like a big Costco. It's bigger than the one we went to. Oh, it's way bigger, bro. It's Damn. way behind. It's kind of going behind, and it's kind of in that area behind the Luxor. That area. It's called Planet. Oh. You'll see it. It's huge. They, it's like a Costco. Like I said, they got a pizza restaurant inside of it. It's huge. It's twenty four seven. There's always at least two hundred people in there. Twenty four seven. I was just counting. I'm like, it's a lot. It's called Planet something something. Like the Planet. Whatever that or area fifty, it's called something like that. But you'll see it on all. It's huge. They, it's really, really a, like the big one that we went to. That one was huge. So if it's bigger than that, then that the one super you went cool. to. The one you see. The one you went to. It was no pizza spot in there, right? No, nah, I wasn't. Yeah, no yeah. Pizza. This spot. This spot. You. Hey, right now MGM Grand got forty-seven dollar rooms. Just FYI. We went to. We went to two. We went to the small one with the girl. She had her titties out. You remember? Yep. <laughs> And then we went to the big one. Yeah, this one's big. I'm telling you. Damn. Like a Costco. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, I was fucked up. We was gone like, all if you, day. If, if you go there like two of them, if you go there two afternoons, it's gonna take you 40 minutes just to get inside. Damn. Damn. So we, we left we left Brandon, we left his Airbnb and we was going to mine. And it was about four o'clock. I think it kicked in on that ride. Because by the time we got to my Airbnb, I was done. Like I think you and Nick fell asleep on the couch, and Lig left us because he was he was frustrated because he wanted to go to the uh, casino. And he also wanted that haircut. Remember? Oh yeah, he wanted to go to the, he wanted to go to uh, Rico Strong Barber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, y'all was in Vegas on gummies. You know, Vegas be lit up too. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we, like, you, like you said, it was daytime, bro. I was really oh, okay, yeah. Good. I said, because yeah. I, I overdid it, and 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 we slept real good. And Nick, sure. you know, he's gone. <laughs> it was that in the beer. It was crazy. It was gone, gone, gone. That was a crazy experience. But that just led to what you see now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Chris, uh. next time we go somewhere. You rolling with us? Yeah, like you said, South Africa, right? Or was that Australia? Well, well he wanted to go to South Africa, you know, but you know, the way the world is, we got to see what it is. I think, like, let's say COVID didn't happen, right? If it, COVID hadn't happened, I would have been going to Panama for my birthday, but we'll see yeah. what happens. I feel like before we get to Africa, we're going to go somewhere in the Caribbean again or somewhere in that area. I okay. Like, I know he wants to go back to Asia, though. He wants to go back to Asia. Yeah, yeah, he he, he said that the other day. So it's whatever. We all going. We even have a ball or two. <laughs> All right, anybody got any more questions for Brandon? No, sir. I appreciate y'all having me on, man. We learned a lot, man. Learned a lot. I'm going to wrap us up. I'm going to take us home. I'm going to take us home. Brandon, last question of the night. 
what question would you have asked yourself that we didn't ask you? If you could do it all over again, would you still be a lawyer? There you go. Answer that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you was going to say that. Big time. Shit. All right. The poll for next week is would you ever be in an open relationship with someone? You want to answer that before we go, Brandon? You mean committed open or open? Yeah, committed open. Like now, you, you now. got a girlfriend and y'all in an open relationship or you got a wife. A yeah. Yeah. No, no. yeah. I, I knew that. I knew. I know. <laughs> but look, more power to the people who can do that, though. More power. Yeah. Y'all, 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 well, we'll talk about it next week when we actually do that shit, because I'm, fuck no. Anyway, <laughs> don't forget, next week, second guest is going to be esthetician Shalinda Johnson. That name ring a bell, Brandon? So, ladies and gentlemen, if you have any questions for her with regard to anything skincare related, hit us up. You know you want to be nice and glowing for Valentine's Day. Send us some questions, DM, contact us direct, and we'll ask Celinda and she'll give her answers. Wednesday, which is today technically, but you guys are gonna be listening to this on Friday. Um, you might've noticed on the Instagram a video, an animated video. That is going to be part of our YouTube channel. So as of this episode, you can check us out on YouTube. So Ramon, tell the people what they need to do on YouTube. Search F4 Let's Go. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. So you could get the notification when we drop more heat. Mm, that's what I wanted to hear. That's that Funko frenzy in you right there. <laughs> and with that being said, y'all give Brandon a round of applause and tell him thank you. Appreciate you, B. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, man, appreciate you. Definitely learned a lot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He did educate us on a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff I didn't know. Like, what the fuck? Stuff I don't know? What? Anyway, Wody, <laughs> next time you own, it's going to be to have fun, not to answer no lawyer questions. Uh, next time I come on, I'm going to come on with leg crazy. Yeah, I'm going to bring you a leg on at the same time, and it's going to be awesome. Might not be able to fit that into an hour. Right? Oh, yeah, that's gonna be a double episode. <laughs> the shit that's gonna come out of Lig's mouth. Boy, can you imagine? Mm -hmm. It's gonna be fun. And with that being said, F4 out. <laughs>